Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. I am here once again, only beside Mr. Sin for the win. Sin, how are you, and how was your weekend? I'm I'm doing pretty good, man. Yeah, it was a good week. I'm, I'm stoked to be back on, you know, an, er, an early in the week podcast again now that we're doing it on, on Monday this week. It's great. Oh, if it if it wasn't for our esports commentary duties yeah. with sportsgamer.gg, that's sportsgamer.gg, twitch.tv forward slash sportsgamer.gg, we would do shows every Monday. Uh, unfortunately, well, I mean, actually, kind of fortunately, again, a new season starting up next Monday. Mm-hmm. Hashtag ad. You'll be able to hear Sin and I uh, every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday yeah. now, I do believe. It's going to be an interesting one, and hey, maybe into the summer we get Monday shows back full-time. We'll see. I mean, we might go down to one show a week because it'll be the summer, and there'll be nothing to talk about. But there is plenty to talk about in the world of hockey, despite the fact that, yeah, we only had from Friday night to now Monday afternoon, and the league lost its mind Again, um, I do want to note, obviously, we're here on a Monday. We'll be back on Thursday as well instead of our normal Friday. This is to account for uh, my change in schedule this week. But then, like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Endo is uh, passed out. He's AWOL again. <laughs> that man needs... He has a worse schedule than I do. Yeah. Like, at least I'm not asleep at 5 in the afternoon. But, you know, you get to sleep when you can get it, right? I mean, damn. I guess so. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever slept at 5 p.m. I haven't unless I, well, nope, that's a lie. I was going to say unless, I, unless I've been sick. There, there were definitely times a couple of years ago where my schedule slipped real bad. I had some days where I'd fall asleep at like noon and wake up at like 6 or 7 p.m. Ugh. It was awful. That's gross. Awful. Awful. <laughs> Shout out to Insomnia. It's the best, but they are not the sponsor of this show. Of course, the sponsor of the Toogie Stick Podcast happens to be our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Toogie at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Again, that is code Toogie at checkout. Manscaped has the best tools for the job, head to toe, anywhere in between. Talking about your balls. They got you covered. Again, that is code Toogie at Manscaped.com. Sin, let's start off today's show with some viewer questions, as we do. And uh, this is this section's not just viewer questions, it's also Tugi talks about wrestling for a long time. Yeah. I'll try to make it brief, because I know you essentially have no interest beyond uh, one Mr. Danhausen, of course. Uh, but Z-Pops asked the question, what's your favorite match announced so far for this week's AEW Dynamite? Now, he is asking that, of course, because that show's taking place in Boston, and I will be there on Wednesday night. Uh, again, that is the reason for the change in schedule. Uh, and hey, if you're there, come say hi. Let you guys know where I'm sitting. I don't care. Uh, I've said hi to a couple of people last time I went to a, an episode of this uh, of this show. So, yeah. Hey, always up for that. Um you know, Sin, you might not give a shit about wrestling, but I'm pretty sure if I say the names Matt and Jeff Hardy, you were at least aware. I'm aware of them. Yeah, and I did I've see never some gotten... of the highlights, and some of them were funny. Yeah. Some of them were funny for different. Oh reasons. well, that's 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 the <laughs> WrestleMania side of things, oh, which we'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah, in yeah. a minute. Um, but you know, Z Pop's asking what match I'm excited for for the Dynamite side of things. I get to see uh, Jeff Hardy wrestle for the first time in person. That's cool as shit. Uh, Samoa Joe, infamously. Uh, the target of Scott Steiner's he's fat comment. 
Uh, it's the only way I can reference it to maybe get Sin to know who I'm talking about. I'm trying so hard here. The no, only fat um, guy I knew was Rikishi. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Man would twer- twerk on pops. people's faces. Basically, before it was twerking, yeah. he was an innovator, an originator. <laughs> uh, very excited, Z-Pops. Like, the entire card's going to be fucking nuts. I'm so excited. Um, and it, Sin kind of referenced it. I was going to segue into it. Uh, the WrestleMania side of things. Now, I've, I've been very vocal about not being a gigantic WWE fan. Um, it's very difficult for me to support a product when they engage in sports washing with the <clears throat> Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, Formula One does it, but at the same time, there's no alternative to Formula One. There are alternatives to the WWE side of things, so that's my justification. But I did watch both nights of WrestleMania, and eh, there was some good, there was some shit. Um, unfortunately, my biggest takeaway from this is that they're still very, very scummy. Uh, there was a match that was supposed to take place on night one. It got bumped to night two because of time mismanagement. For you wrestling fans, you would know that that was the New Day match. And right before this match, now again, about a month ago, a member of this group, the New Day, Big E, broke his fucking neck. Almost died. You know, could have been paralyzed. And the WWE before this match is like, you know how we're going to sell the fact that it's his friends going after the people that injured him? Let's show the replay of him breaking his fucking neck. It's gross. Just completely turned me off for the rest of the show. Like, And again, I don't even want to necessarily describe it, but for anyone that didn't see it, they were on the floor. And he gets suplexed. So basically, head over heels, you know, going forward, and essentially landed vertical on his fucking head. And you're going to show that again. It's just gross. So as as much as I can point out uh, certain positives from the event, um, Logan Paul, who would have guessed it, is a natural wrestling heel. Um, yes, Logan Paul had a match at WrestleMania, everybody. Um, but, hey, you know, as much as you can criticize that guy for a variety of different things, um, I do respect the hustle a little bit. <laughs> like, I mean, dude's had a match at WrestleMania. He boxed. Floyd Mayweather, I mean, guy knows how to get his name out there. Um, There were some great matches. Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, there were some great moments. Cody Rhodes coming back. Stone Cold technically had a 13-minute match, which was very, very surreal. Um, Very, very cool to see, though. Uh, And then night two was highlighted by, number one, Pat McAfee, who knew punters were such good athletes. Um... Highlighted by the fact that Johnny Knoxville had a match for 14 and a half minutes against Sami Zayn, and it was basically a live version of Jackass minus dick and balls, although Chris Pontius tried his best. I, I don't care if you guys aren't wrestling fans. If you have a Peacock subscription, go watch this match. It's fucking hilarious. Um, I'm someone who's a proponent of, of comedy and wrestling when it's done well. And uh, I, I laugh my ass off. This was, if you're a fan of Jack, like, Wee Man body slams somebody in front of, like, 65,000 people at WrestleMania. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. So there were some positives. There was a lot of filler. Like I said, my takeaway is that uh, that company's still not for me. I was very put off by, hey, let's show a replay of someone nearly dying. Like, that. that just wasn't for me. 
Um, but yeah, no, so I, yeah, I, I, I get <laughs> I get like put off when like in a hockey game or a sports game, they show a pretty gruesome injury over and over and over again on replay. And it just happened. Exactly. Those motherfuckers like, hey, this happened a while ago. They had time to think about it and like, hmm, mm-hmm. let's show that to market this. It wasn't like an instant replay. We're going to show it a few more times because it just happened or. Yeah, it happened it's on like, like March 11th or March 18th, yeah. one of those Fridays. A full fucking month. And they're like, yeah, this is a good idea to show this. Uh-huh. Rather yeah. than like. So just. Yeah. Like an in very, the moment Very, very exploitative. Yeah. It's not an in the moment sort of thing that. Anyway. Yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was a bit gross. Um, this next question was actually asked to me on the YouTube side of things. But what we're going to do is we're going to clip this. I'm going to put this up on YouTube as well. So for those of you watching on the YouTube side of things after the fact, hi, hello, welcome to the Toogies Take Podcast. Go ahead and look us up on Spotify, Google, Apple Music, and of course on YouTube. Just search Toogies Take Podcast. This comes from ET Sports. Have you had any issues lately with NHL 22 crashing? He says specifically in the resign phase. Now, uh, Sid, you are well aware of this. Uh, they... Talked about a long time ago. I'm actually trying to find the official date for when um, EA put out this post saying that they were going to remove essentially the the imagery uh, for the Russian national team and I believe Belarus as well. That is from March 2nd. Following the double IHF suspension of all Russian and Belarusian national and club teams from the uh, from the double IHF, uh, we will be removing these teams from NHL 22 within the coming weeks. Unfortunately, this has caused massive, massive issues within the game, particularly for franchise mode, where essentially, if a Russian player pops up, it can crash your game. Why can it crash your game? Because it's trying to load information that is now missing. So it's just the coding doesn't know what to do and the game shuts down. Um, I have seen examples of people mentioning this while editing lines, trying to make trades, free agency. Sin, you just had it happen mm-hmm. in the drafts. Yeah, oh, it's, it's on YouTube. Yeah, my, my new series that I just fucking launched is essentially on hold right now. That's great for the algorithm. I'm sure that's not punishing my channel in any way. I'm going to I'm gonna find some way to make a daily fucking video of, like, has EA fixed their game yet? Because I'm not... <laughs> I'm so sick of, like... It's just stupid. Yeah, all like a player was drafted, and it was like you know in the late first round, around the twenties, was a seventy something elite. I was like, holy shit, I'm gonna look at this, and I, you know I right stick click on the name, and immediately my game crashes. I'm like, oh shit, because the name was Kiger, you know Kygorodov or whatever how you say it, Kygorodov. Um, EA generated a random EA generated thing, mm-hmm. just because he's yeah. fucking from Russia. Like and it crashes because it the EA's coding. They don't even. They probably don't even know where in the coding this is. They're gonna have to code on top of their shit code, and that's why EA's game state is where it is and continually getting worse because their code is it's just so fucked. I can't say with certainty what the reason would have been. Whether or not this was, I presume this was a choice from EA in general that was forced upon EA NHL because I believe changes were also made within FIFA. Um, yeah. End of the day, though, you know, it just it just looks like, okay, let's let's do this. We have to do this, and we'll see what the consequences are. And unfortunately, the consequences of this, you've essentially broken the mode. Yeah. Um, I am very lucky in a sense. Now, I completely fell on my face into this. 
Um, with everything that's happened in terms of game updates, roster updates, um, you know, roster sharing and everything, I technically fell behind where I needed to get, I basically had series in order. So I had one, two, three. The problem is I had to upload four before I could upload three based off of like updates that were out at the time. So I technically have the rest of my Montreal series right now, which was recorded a few months ago. I have that scheduled, and then I have another series in the can for those that were watching on the YouTube side of things with the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Lucky. So I have <laughs> totally lucked into the fact that I'm covered if this issue isn't fixed. They said they were going to try to fix it this week, but I mean, who the hell They deleted the, the tweet, knows, but. apparently. Oh, the one that says they were going to fix it? <laughs> yeah, the, I saw Endo... Uh... Endo mentioned that uh, the community manager uh, had tweeted out that they had a pit patch coming to fix it sometime this week, and then that tweet got deleted. So You are right. That tweet no longer exists. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's been a very rough year uh, for us franchise creators. I mean, again, roster sharing is a tremendous addition. It's, it's in a basic form right now, not being cross-gen or cross-plat. Um, really kind of hinders everything because even if you, you know, you know, even if you disagree with what I do, there are people on the Xbox side that are, or the Xbox One side who are like, man, I wish I could do what you do. I, and people on the PlayStation side who wish they could download JFresh's stuff, so on and so forth. Uh, and it sucks. And then franchise mode itself is just in a really bad spot. You know, um, AI management of the rosters is god awful right now. Uh, coaching strategies being put above player overall results in really good players being on the fourth line or scratched. Like franchise mode has the uh, the outline of being really good, but uh, the contents, the implementation aren't, uh, aren't is ass. Oh my god, that's a shock for EA. <laughs> uh, still an EA game changer, by the way. But uh, yeah, nobody can say I, I defend the game. I still have costs. that on my like YouTube it's... banner, even though when the new community manager we got changed to something else, the lower tier, whatever. I don't care. Too lazy to change my fucking banner. Come at me, <laughs> motherfuckers. Enough, but... <laughs> so yeah, franchise mode's busted right now. So ET Sports, my my recommendation to you. Play an older version of NHL, or uh, if hey, if you're on Xbox, uh, MLB The Show 22 coming to Game Pass. Its franchise mode isn't perfect. They haven't made any major changes in a few years, but it is a solid franchise mode uh, that doesn't crash. Going to play career mode, man. Randomly, I love a career yeah. mode. That's good. And I and yes, is it Road good? To the Show is it, it's it's pretty solid. Okay. I am enjoying Road to the Show. How far? Um, are you? Because I, I haven't been able to tune in in yet. I've been very very busy. St still in double A. We're a couple mm. months in on Twitch. Here's uh, Twitch.tv. No 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 no. Forward slash Doogie twenty four. Come watch the legend known as Torf Stutzel hit some dingers. You don't want to know the horrifying truth. <laughs> watch him hit some dingers. <laughs> want to sock a few dingers. <laughs> oh God. Our next question comes from Money Man. A follow-up on the dinosaur question. How many apples do you think you could bob in one minute? Sin, have you ever bobbed for apples? I've never bobbed for an apple. That seems absolutely disgusting, dude. You know how much saliva is probably in uh -huh. that, like, tub? Like, I'm, mm -hmm. I'll am i swing. I don't know. Something about saliva gets to me. I'll swing, I'll swing in piss-filled filled pools. I don't care. But, like, saliva. It's sterile, at least. It's, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's sterile, and I like the taste. Um... <laughs> Uh, rest in oh, peace, Riptorn. Um, 
Oh, the references yeah. are out of control today. I love it. Yeah, I don't know. Bobbing for apples, man. I've never done it. Um, if it was a fresh thing, I don't know. My my jaw's a little fucked up, so probably not too many. Like my like yeah. I have an issue, like a clicking thing, like sometimes, like because I I've for a lot of my life have grinded my teeth when I slept, so my jaw mm. is actually like a little screwed up. So I have uh, I, I have shit. some I got some sensitive teeth, so the idea of uh, biting into what I presume is a somewhat cold apple, yeah. front teeth first in just, water too, mm-hmm. and if the water's cold, it'll fucking like. Get in mm-hmm. whatever crevasses are in your teeth. Yep. Yeah. Awful. Absolutely awful. So the answer is zero. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is I wouldn't even attempt it. There you go. <laughs> From RG Dust, what's everyone's favorite food and why? Also, do you have more than one favorite hockey team or a team that you secretly cheer for? I think we've answered this before, but screw it. Why not? Keep we'll answer it, it again. Um, I mean, hockey-wise, I've mentioned, like, hey, I have a soft spot for the Colorado Avalanche because of Ray Bork. And for the most part, like, I I root for stories. I I found myself kind of uh, drifting in that way ever since um, about 11 years ago now. You know, you you see all of your favorite teams win, and then you start to, like, I still always root for those teams first. Sorry, Sin. I still always root for those teams first and foremost. But then I start rooting for stories a bit more. Like, hey, if the Bruins can't win this year, I'm with Sin on the Florida Panthers bandwagon. Let me see Joe Thornton get a Stanley Cup. Or I'm honestly not opposed. Like, yes, certain fans will be insufferable. The story of the Leafs going to the Cup Final would be very, very interesting. Uh, the Minnesota Wild and what they have been this season would be very interesting. Daryl Sutter. Just getting to talk all through the playoffs <laughs> for the Calgary Flames is interesting. So I don't know if I have a necessarily defined second team right now. Uh, and then in terms of favorite food, um, God, all of it. Just yeah, how do you all choose? of it. <laughs> you know, all right. Well, for me, I, I, I kind of am in the same boat. I love a good narrative. I love a good story when it comes to hockey. But I also really like... Um, I guess this ties into it as well. Um, I I have now officially have a very, very soft spot for the Anaheim Ducks, which 10 years ago, I would have called you crazy if you thought, if you ever said to me, hey, one day you're going to be kind of cool and cheer for the Ducks a little bit. But here I am. Yeah. And it's (laughs) literally mostly because of Trevor Zegras. I think he, this, this kid is literally the future of the NHL. And he's not the best player, I guess. He's not a McDavid. He's not like it's it's the fact that he combines incredible skill level with just being able to be his authentic self. That's what I loved about uh, Curtis Gabriel so much is that he wasn't afraid to be himself, say whatever the fuck he wanted. And, you know, that's what Zegris is. And he's extremely marketable as well. And I, I still feel like the NHL is not taking enough advantage of that which is a big, big shame. But yeah, uh, yeah. any excuse to talk about Zegers? <laughs> I mean, don't worry. We'll be talking oh, yeah, about Trevor Zegers and the Anaheim Ducks. We'll put a stopper uh, in, in that a, for now. In a little bit. We certainly will be. Oh, favorite food. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, that's such I, I Again, I, I, I love food. But I've been mm-hmm. really, really enjoying uh, burritos lately, man. And carne asada fries now i know you're on the east coast you probably don't have the greatest mexican food over there but if you ever make your way over here we will i'll have to take you on yeah the 
incredible. <laughs> California, the best Mexican food on the planet, you know, sans Mexico. But it's also not the same. If you go to Mexico and order the food there, it's completely different. Like, this is very, how do we Americanize this? Or this is where you get the tacos, burritos, and shit. And, like, but yeah, the carne asada fries are essentially fucking fries with, like, obviously steak, sour cream, like, some salsa, cheese. And then if you want guac in there, too, which I don't. Guac's gross, but... Oh, it's amazing. It's like... So, basically, if I move to California, I'm going to die at 400 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's great food, yeah. I mean, I try to limit myself to how much I have. Like, I'm like, all right, I can have, like, Mexican food twice in a week because I hit the gym four times, so... You got to make sure you work it out. Yes. Uh, and our final question comes from uh, hashtag Fire Holland, coincidentally. So it will be Oilers related and kind of bring us into our first uh, kind of general topic of the day. So I will mention, of course, if you want to get your questions into the show, join the Discord. The link is in the description. The podcast questions section is the place to be. He asked, do you consider Edmonton a cup dark horse depending on how our goaltending plays? Absolutely not. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because how you phrased your question. Um, how our goaltending, our bottom team defense. Oh, Centerliner. Oh, 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 okay, you're good. I was going to say oh, I'll interrupt you. You went robotic for I a did. second. You're good. Though. Damn it. I was making you're such good. a good point. Goaltending is, is, is an issue, but you are also bottom third in team defense, according to several analytical models I've seen. So, no. I, Analytics. I, I cannot consider Edmonton a dark horse. Because of that, I, I don't think your team defense shapes up uh, to where it would need to be to beat a team like you'd need to beat in, in the Western Conference. Uh, Avalanche, if you get into a fucking shootout, you know, shooting match with Avalanche, yeah, you got McDavid Dreisaitl, but they got three lines who can kind of put up some solid numbers. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I can't consider what are analytics. I know. I just, what can't. are they even based on? What are they based on the game? What? Yeah, I was no. like, I was fully on board. Like, yeah, their goaltending is horrible. But at the same time, like the team defense is bottom third. And that has to contribute to the goaltending. Yes, their goaltending isn't great. They'd probably have, you know, some better numbers here and there. But I think both of them go hand in hand. So when you only have offense going for you, it's not going to work all the time in the postseason where we know they're not going to call all those penalties on McDavid or. You know, the penalties that McDavid draws. We we know for yeah. a fact that ain't happening. So, yeah. yeah. So, it, it's worth mentioning this. Uh, and this stat, I believe, is from two or three days ago. The Oilers are 9-2-1 in their last 12 games. Their goaltending in that time is Koskinen, 895, and Smith with an 885. They win in spite of their goaltending. But for how long can they do that? For how long? Like, you can go on a run like this where you can overcome that, but man, in the playoffs, you were, you're just not going to make it. You are not going to make it with sub-900 goaltending. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. The season ends today. They play the LA Kings. Do they have enough talent to get past the LA Kings? Yes, they do. But then what happens if you come up against a Calgary? A Colorado. Daryl Sutter. A Minnesota. Yeah, Daryl Sutter would be able to find a way to shut down McDavid in the playoffs. Even, Holy shit. <laughs> even if like if if it's Vegas and they're at full strength. I don't know, man. And then you talk about you get to face one of the killers coming out of the East in the cup final. Full strength is one thing, but they'll be at 125%, Toogie. They're fucking little <laughs> bitches. <laughs> 
for the Oilers, though, like the big thing is like Leon Dreisaitl hit 50 goals, right? And that's kind yes. of the point. Like Dreisaitl, McDavid, and company can carry them beyond this goaltending. He is, that being Dreisaitl, uh, the only active player alongside Steven Stamkos and Alex Ovechkin to record multiple 50-goal seasons, mainly because Austin Matthews has been stifled by injuries or other circumstances, but it's Dreisaitl's second 50-goal season. Stamkos also has two, and then Ovi has eight, for God's sakes. Um, and McDavid and Dreisaitl just became the fifth set of teammates to be the first players to 100 points in a season. So think about that. The first two people in a season to 100 points, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl this year, and that is only the fifth time that has happened, uh, or at least uh, the fifth pairing to happen. Uh, it's happened multiple times. 1995, uh, 96, Lemieux, Yager, and Ron Francis were the first three people to 100 points in the season. Um, in 84, 85, as well as 86, 87, Gretzky and Yari Curry were the first two to 100 points. 83-84, it was Gretzky and Coffee, And then, because we have to mention him every goddamn show, Phil Esposito and Bobby Orr did it three times uh, where they were the first two guys to 100 points in a season that happened to be on the same team. Crazy. So it's it's elite company for Dreisaitl and McDavid. But the question of, like, do I consider them a, a dark horse for the cup... I mean, I guess it depends on your definition of what a dark horse happens to be. Like, I I don't... Like, I'm having trouble differentiating what they should be to what they are. Are they a dark horse for the cup? Yes. Because they're not the favorites, even though they should be in contention for the favorites. I, I, I gotta put them in that category because it's tough, right? Like, are they, but they're almost in a middle ground of not quite in dark horse category. I'd consider Nashville or Dallas, a real dark horse yeah. to win the cup LA, even though they're in second. Yeah, in the, Pacific. the way I see it, I, I, I see your point where, yeah, technically, cause they're not a favorite that you can't consider them a serious contender. They could be a dark horse, but I, I have to think it like I always think of it like I have to give someone a realistic chance to win and a team like Nashville, a team like Dallas, while they may not be a favorite or even considered a true contender, they have that chance because of the play style. Same, you know, because of the way the game is called and how it plays on the, you know, in the playoff level there. Those are, you know, quote unquote teams built for the playoffs with, you know, solid defense and, you know, hard checking, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't see that with Edmonton, especially when I looked at I, I would have considered it before I saw like, you know, because we we all know a goalie can have a day and a goalie can go on a run, especially in the playoffs. But when I Mike saw Smith has done it. Yes, he exactly. did it with the Coyotes when they made the Western Conference. Final. That man could just go on a 10 tear. years ago. Yeah. And <laughs> um, but yeah, but as soon as I saw that bottom three in team defense is like, that's not going to sustain. Uh I, they could do it for a round or two. I think they could get past two rounds, or at least I, I think they. I think they fall in the second. I would be surprised if they made the conference finals, but you never know. I they're not going to get out of the West. I, I there, there's no fucking way that they do. And I would I'd, be happy be to shocked. eat my words, but I, I don't think there's any way. I would be too, because it means Connor McDavid's in the conference final yeah. and Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. And that's a good thing for the NHL. Yeah. As we'll talk about, letting their best players and most skillful players be showcased is a good idea. Yeah. Tyson. 
Yeah, let's go. We'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, thank you guys for the questions. We'll get into our general topics here. And I, I wanted to mention really quickly before we actually get into what happened between Anaheim and Arizona. Uh, out of the QMJHL in her second start, and again, I'm not going to go full French pronunciation on this, but Eve Gascon uh, became the second woman ever and the first in 22 years to win a QMJHL game. Uh, incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, it's just, it's an awesome, awesome story. I mean, again, you know, obviously the debate will be, okay, what, what does the future have in store for her at a professional level? But at the end of the day, it can just be cool as hell that she, again, just became just the second woman ever to do this. Um, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. So, Congrats for her. Again, fucking awesome for the game. What isn't awesome for the game is what happened between the Ducks and the Coyotes. Skill now, isn't the... awesome, Toogie. Oh, bad. God. Skill bad. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to break this up into a couple of different parts. We'll talk about the incident itself, those involved, and then we'll talk about the commentary. First and foremost, Trevor Zegras scored another Michigan to make it a 3 to nothing game in favor of the Ducks. That is important because that is essentially uh, what kind of kicked this off in a sense. But Trevor Zegras, another Michigan. As Sin mentioned, he is beyond a positive for the game. The, the creativity, granted you could say the Michigan might not be the most creative thing in the world anymore, but it's still insane. Like, just because we're seeing it more frequently doesn't mean that, like, ah, it's not that big of a deal anymore. It's still insanity. It is. Uh, especially to be pulling up, pulling it off at a pro level. Um, another incredible goal, even if it was against the Coyotes. Then. Then. We get the three people involved in this incident. Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry, and Jay Beagle. The score is now 5 to nothing Anaheim, with about five and a half minutes to go in the third period. The puck ends up on goal, and Trevor Zegras, who was already at the top of the crease, swipes for the puck. Against the, against the code, against the written rule, maybe. But at the same time, you knock in that puck, that's a goal at 6-0. You play to win the game. What's more insulting to a group of professional hockey players? Knowing that your opponents are literally taking their foot off the gas or giving up a sixth goal. Maybe try harder. Maybe be better. Maybe don't be such a piss baby. Yeah, that's yeah. You hit the fucking nail on the head. That was my thing, and I I I, I can't help but kind of chuckle at the fact that the same people who are constantly saying all the younger generations are offended by any everything are the same people feeling like they have to defend the egos of these professional athletes, defend their fucking mm -hmm. feelings and their delicate sensibilities. Like no. Uh, like we, I was, we like anytime a big hit is laid and people are like, Oh, wait a sec. That's a, you know, maybe a, a rough time of the game. And so same fucking people are like, you play whistle to whistle. What about right mm -hmm. now? Loose fucking puck play whistle to whistle, right? Oh no. We have different rules now. Apparently mm -hmm. fuck off. Jay Beagle, as mentioned, a gigantic piss baby, uh, then cross checks Trevor Zegras in the numbers. Well, Trevor Zegers deserved it for poking the goalie. You could have just fucking grabbed him by the shoulder pads and said, hey, cut the shit. Maybe he would have been. But if no. The NHL cracked down on cross checking like they said they would. Mm hmm. That's another part of this. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It's not just 
these three players. It's not just Tyson Nash. It's the officiating. This all, everything that we've talked about over the past year, it all rolls up in the one gigantic ball here. This incident would not have happened if the second Jay Beagle cross-checks him in the numbers, the refs around Jay Beagle go to the fucking box. Do your job. That's your job. He cross-checks somebody. It's fucking illegal. Officiate the game. I digress. After the cross-check, Cam Fowler from the Ducks comes in. Jay, you know, kind of gets in Jay Beagle's face. He pushes him away. And then Troy Terry comes in. They lock up. Beagle gets his gloves off. Terry does not. And Jay Beagle beats the brakes off of Troy Terry. Uh, that's the only way to put it. He gets flattened. He literally ends up face down on the fucking ice. And I think we've all seen the pictures of Troy Terry's face after this incident. Um... Look, I can understand the viewpoint of Beagle being like, well, people are coming after me and I got to defend myself. I can understand that. At the same time, the guy's gloves were never off. And what the hell were the referees doing? One guy has his gloves off, the other doesn't, and you don't step in. Beagle, after flattening Troy Terry, then tries going after other members of the Ducks Full red mist. This guy has lost all control of himself. And then the refs try to get involved. But no, you you didn't do so. You didn't do so uh, while Terry was getting fed. And even while you're grabbing Jay Beagle, you don't have control of the situation because he's still swiping at guys that are tangled up with other members of the Coyotes. Someone had a hold of Jamie Drysdale and Jay Beagle's trying to punch Jamie Drysdale in the back of the head. What a tough guy going after the 19-year-old rookie, Jamie Drysdale. Complete piss-baby behavior from somebody in Jay Beagle who is barely holding on in this league. Beyond nonsense like this and face-off wins, he provides absolutely nothing. Oh, but the veteran leadership. Yet he's not on a playoff team. And the Canucks were desperate to get rid of his boat anchor contract. Boy, maybe veteran leadership and grit doesn't mean that much. This is a complete failure of, of the league for, again, not having the better standard of, you know, of officiating in place. It is a complete failure of these officials on the ice. And it's a complete failure on Jay Beagle's part to not look like a mad, salty uh, piss baby. It's the perfect way. I, I'd make it the title if I could get it past the filter. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, pretty fucking gross. Like, I, I think you hit all the nails on the head. Like, he's, you can't really go into his mind, but, like, as an athlete who's played the sport, uh, I've been in blowouts before, and you can lose your cool real fucking quick. But every time, like, I did lose my cool once. The goal, goalie didn't like that I got too close to him one time. Took a swipe at me. Mm. I swiped at him back. Two people get in my face. I face wash one. I'm immediately tossed from the game. <laughs> Good. I should have been because I was fucking losing control. And yeah, that's how you like manage the game. This is fucking high school. Um, it, yeah, it's it's crazy. So it's like, yeah, he's clearly pissed about, you know, getting beat. He's clearly pissed about his career coming to an end. He's pissed about his situation where he's at. I mean, again, he's a he's a depth option on a shit team, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So you are bottom of the barrel. Yeah, I just, it's crazy to me how, like you said, the, the, the officials 
the way they handled that was just so rough. And like 2019, I think we talked about this maybe a bit in the last episode when we were talking about a sucker punch. It was 2019 when the NHL said we're going to crack down on these fights that happen when the other person is not a willing combatant. Didn't really look like Terry was a willing combatant. And everyone's like, oh, you can't go into a scrum and not expect to get, like, God. That's what you do in scrums. You find a person, you try to tie them up. That's Dude, Louis what Erickson, happens. <laughs> Louis Erickson was literally bear, he was, he was bear hugging Trevor Zegras to stop Trevor Zegras from going in. Like, literally, he had it. Yeah. They were, it was freaking belly yeah. to back. Like, Louis Erickson was going to German suplex him. <laughs> just being like, no, you're fucking staying here. Stop it. Like... That is what you do in a scrum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not automatically, oh, well, if you were in the moment and uh, you had someone coming at you, you'd fucking defend yourself. But it's like, again, it's not just a failure. It stops on... becoming defend himself, like, pretty quickly. Like, he was clear, like, Terry was clearly getting the worst of it. Beagle didn't stop. His gloves mm-hmm. weren't off. Beagle didn't stop. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So in this, Jay Beagle gets a fighting major and aggressor game misconduct and Troy Terry gets nothing. Because of this, though, no further supplementary discipline was handed out. The NHL views it as the right call was made at the time. Fighting major and an aggressor misconduct with, again, about five and a half minutes to go. I always thought fighting majors, you had to have someone else receiving a fighting major as well. <laughs> yeah, you would think. <laughs> just just saying. Uh, God. So, Craig Morgan ended up uh, asking... Jay Beagle, and again, uh, Craig Morgan, uh, Coyotes, and uh, Arizona State University coverage for Phoenix Sports. Um, asked Jay Beagle if uh, you know if Jay should have backed off when when Terry appeared vulnerable. Yes, Nash, that right? Like on the oh broadcast. yes, yes. Excuse okay. me, he did ask Tyson Nash that, and uh, Nash responded, "No, not at all." There was an interview with Jay Beagle as well, where he essentially defended his actions and justified everything that he did because, of course, he did. As we've noticed, it's kind of a theme of doubling, if not tripling, down on your takes when it comes to this. Which brings us to Tyson Nash, former NHLer. Color commentator for the Coyotes with Bally Sports. Prof- now, professional ditch digger, man. Like, he's just digging himself the biggest hole as he tries to, like, <laughs> like go back on his words, but doubles down at the same time. Like, holy He crap. tripled down today. Oh, God. I haven't, um, obviously, I'm not on Twitter much, so I haven't seen it yet. <sighs> While all of this is going on, Tyson Nash is on commentary saying, now this is after Troy Terry gets flattened, That's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys? You want to skill it up? You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. Man, is living. Is this 1962 or 2022? (laughs) I can't help but feel like he was like living vicariously through Jay Beagle in that moment, and that is a little bit disturbing. But Jay Beagle is six times the hockey player Tyson Nash ever was, though. That's the sad part. That is the sad part. I remember Tyson Nash. I hated him because he was one of those. Tough guys who you'd injure your tough guys, <laughs> injure your players. Uh, yeah, he was just injure your players. <sighs> Jeff Merrick uh, had this quote on Twitter. Um, now, look, in, in response to that initial comment, obviously, we all know how fucking ridiculous that is. You want to embarrass guys and skill it up? You want to be good at hockey? You should get punched in the mouth. We all know how fucking absurd that is. And just how poor Tyson Nash comes off here. Uh, My God. Like, the fact that someone 
is in this position as a professional commentator with takes like this. It's incredible and really goes to show where the sport of hockey is right now in terms of evolution uh, or lack thereof. Now, Nash said this. Uh, Nash says he shouldn't have said skill it up, but rather hot dogging. He also didn't like the way the Ducks players smiled and smirked after scoring, and when you do that, what followed is what you have to be prepared for. Nash says, Don't have fun. I like it. No fun. This is a good message. Fuck you. Good message for the kids out there. Are you happy that you scored? You should get punched in the fucking mouth. How disrespectful that is to your opponent. Fuck you. Are we joking here? Are we joking? Like, this is my problem with the NHL. And so many people tie this in to arguments about analytics and like, oh, well, why are people, oh, those analytics say this guy sucks. Why is this guy useful? Analytics say Jay Beagle sucks. Oh, but he's still on an NHL team. Why is he on an NHL team? Oh, because of leadership and, and great. No, he's on an NHL team because dinosaurs like him and dinosaurs like Tyson Nash still have a fucking place in the NHL when they should not. George Peros still has a position with the Department of Player Safety when he should not. Because this league is trying its damnedest to sabotage its own growth, its own success, and its own evolution by holding on to old ass fucking ideals like this and letting people like Tyson Nash hang around the sport in a prominent role. It's all fucking tied together and it's fucking sad. Yeah, look at the idea. You don't like getting scored on, Tyson. Maybe fucking play a better defense. Tell Jay to play a better fucking defense. Like, I get being motivated after your team gets scored on, but to get this fucking salty to the point where you're justifying what was essentially an assault. I grew up a fucking Bruins fan. Don't sit there and be like, oh, you're just a fucking pussy. I grew up a Bruins fan. Fucking big bad hockey. Fucking Mike Milbury going into the stands, beating people up with their own fucking shoes. <laughs> the fucking typical Boston attitude. Everything that you fucking hate about Jack Edwards when he commentates the Bruins' big hits or fights or some shit like that. I grew up with that shit. Don't try to pull the, oh, Tuki, you're just a pussy card. The end of the fucking day, this shit is nonsense. This is not tied in to the physical side of the game that we want to preserve. This is horseshit. Yeah. If you want to have a physical part of the game, there's plenty of players out there that are should belong in this lead and, and bring a physical game. Uh, look at the Kachucks. Look at fucking Mo Sider. Matthew Kachuk was going to be my example. Yeah. Look at what that motherfucker does with between the legs goals. He is what the league should be. That is the evolution of the physical game, but also a skill player at the same time. Andre Sevechnikov, he's in that category as well. Yeah. Like, it's. If you are having to try your darndest to stop a natural evolution of something, you are not on the wrong, the right side of it, period. Like, you're. you're you're completely and and it's because these guys feel like they're going to be fucking left behind and you know what you mm -hmm. are i'm sorry that sometimes happens and the crazy thing is these are the guys jay beagle tyson nash these are the guys for the most part who get those analytic jobs or uh, sorry analyst jobs yes. look at 
look at all like the sports casts. Look at how many skill guys versus how many more plugs are involved in like it, analyst desks commentary it's it's kind of nuts how many of these like former kind of tough guys are like are in those sort, sort of roles and you know why because they're desperate to maintain that they had a proper place in the game you don't need I'm sure they the need skill guys too. like I'm not on the analyst desk yeah. exactly you know what the skill guys already got their money because they were better than you Tyson and at the same time their legacy is intact Everyone knows how fucking good they were. Instead, someone like Tyson Nash is desperate to be able to explain to people why his career isn't a fucking joke. How he was more important than just being a guy that was out there who could have been any number of other dudes next in line for the guys to step up that's out there to be an agitator, out there to injure the other star players. That is all that he was. So he and guys like him are desperate to let you know how important people like them were even though they were completely fucking irrelevant. Tell me I'm wrong, anybody. I dare you. Because you you can't. You cannot. Oh, Tuki always thinks he's right. I know I'm fucking right on this one. Because otherwise, you are standing with and defending Tyson Nash. You go right ahead. You go right ahead and be on that side of the argument. It'll age poorly. <sighs> Tyson Nash again. This was today. Arizona analyst Tyson Nash on Beagle incident and backlash he received. Quote, if people want to be mad, why is Zegras out on the ice? Why is he poking the goalie? Oh, because he's a good player. He's out on the ice, Tyson, because he's a good fucking player. He's not a fucking plug like you. Jesus Christ, why is he poking the goalie? He wants to score goals, Tyson! That's the point of hockey, yeah. is to fucking score goals, you dumb motherfucker! Holy shit, the most notable thing about your career is that you grew the nastiest fucking soul patch that the NHL's ever fucking seen, because you thought it looked good! The fuck's the matter with you? You scored 24 goals and fucking or 27 goals in 374 games and you're wondering why one of the best young players is out there trying to score more goals maybe he has incentive bonuses to get more goals and to get more points to get more money you dumb fuck that's what playing hockey is for the love of the game and the fucking money you fucking mark it's like, go listen to Kevin Nash talk about wrestling. I fucking love entertaining in-ring performances. At the end of the day, you're putting your body through that much hell. It better be about the fucking money. It better be about securing your future and your family's future. But instead, you're in a commentary booth getting this worked up because a 21-year-old kid wanted to score another goal. Get fucked. You are a scrub. You always were a scrub. End of story. For a tough guy, quote, tough guy, who likes to pretend that he was an effective NHL tough guy, you sure are soft as baby shit. Tyson Nash, get fucked and please get out of the sport of hockey. You are dragging the entire thing behind you and people like you. This is the reason why the NHL is where it is. It could be so much bigger. And so much better, 
but fucking dinosaurs like you who are insecure about their non-existent legacy, you are holding everybody else back. And it's the same sort of stuff that we see in other dying sports or sports that are not where they could be, such as baseball. It's like whenever you have an unwritten code that no one is ever fucking clear on or things that prevent cool things from happening, like, I, I you know what I love in baseball? Bat flips. I love people celebrating. I love people having fun. You know what I love in hockey? Creative goals. I like people having fun. I like, you know, like, th- those are the things that will promote the game. Look at the, if you remember... If we go rewind a little bit to that Zegers goal and how we bitched out torts for essentially the same sort of thing Tyson Nash is saying, that was one of the most watched clips uh, of when he did the Michigan, threw it over the net for Milano, who then tapped it in. Mm -hmm. And it had so many basketball fans getting involved. We're like, whoa, is that like an alley-oop in hockey? What the fuck? I've never seen that. That is an opportunity. That should be telling you. Instead, the people in charge and the Tyson Nashes of the world get fucking terrified because they realize that it's leaving them behind. It doesn't fit in with what their idea of hockey is. And they're so absolutely drunk on the idea that they have this power because they're involved in the game or that the head of the league that they think they can prevent this from happening. You're not going to. Hockey is going to go where it is because you know what? The young players coming up don't give a fuck what you think. They're going to play the way they're going to play, and they're going to lead this game in the future. Zegris is one of those guys. We have many others coming up, and there's just going to be more. That makes me feel a little bit better about all this. When I, whenever I see a stupid dinosaur have a take like this, I'm just like, it doesn't matter. They're, they're not long for the world of hockey. What's, uh, what's better for the league? The multi-million uh, views on Zegers, Michigan, or 2.3 million views on Troy Terry getting flattened by a by a nobody. Definitely the Zegers. Or 1.1 million views on the video of Trevor Zegers saying that Jay Beagle rightfully should be punished. What's better for the league? Yeah. I'll, I'll leave that up to the individual to decide, and there is clearly a right answer here. At the same time, this has spurned on another conversation. This comes from Tamu Solani. Don't like how these young duck stars get pushed around. We need a couple of Thai Domies here. Now, joke is over. I uh, respectfully disagree with Tay Musalani. And you could sit there and say you're a nobody in a computer chair. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And you would be correct. But at the same time, it is about the evolution of the game. And w- the answer to this problem is not to bring back goons and to bring back enforcers and to bring back essentially contracted hitmen like Tyson Nash who are only out there to essentially attempt to legally hurt the other team's stars. That is not the answer. In my opinion, there is no such thing as an enforcer being a deterrent. It's a farce. It's a fallacy. It never existed. The idea of, oh, well, you didn't try to cheap shot Wayne Gretzky because then Marty McSorley would get you. Yeah, no, people would still try to target Wayne Gretzky. What the fuck are you talking about? Brad Marchand is the perfect example in the modern game. Let's let's flash back. I put out a tweet about this. Let's flash back to uh, 2012. One of Brad Marchand's more, uh, more infamous moments, I would say, in one of his uh, dirtiest plays. Um, it was the Sammy Salo low bridge where they were along the half wall. Marshawn ducked down, literally essentially low bridged him at the knee as Sammy Salo went flying and got hurt on the play. In that game, 
There were numerous people for the Vancouver Canucks that could have served as a deterrence for what happened. There were. Uh, Dale Weiss was on that Canucks team, and I'm trying to find the full list of people uh, that I I named off here. Obviously, I had uh, numerous conversations in regards to what happened. Uh, Dale Weiss was on that team. Andrew Alberts was on that team. There were numerous rough, tough physical players. Oh, here's the list. Uh, Max LaPierre, Dan Hamhuis, Alex Burrows, Kevin Bieksa, Keith Ballard, all of whom (laughs) have numerous fights and incidents in their career. Did that stop Brad Marchand from doing what he did? No, because there is, oh, well, if it was Ryan Reeves, he definitely wouldn't have done it. No, because at the end of the day, like I said, oh, you wouldn't go after Gretzky because you have to deal with McSorley. No, if Brad Marchand played in the 80s and Brad Marchand hit Wayne Gretzky, would Brad Marchand then have to fight Marty McSorley? No. No. Their tough guy That's would not have to fight works. Marty McSorley. The Bruins <laughs> tough guy would fight Marty McSorley. Oh, well, that tough guy would have kept Brad Marchand in check. Bullshit. Bullshit. That tough guy can't fucking tell Brad Marchand what to do. Fuck you. You're a goon. You're only here to defend our stars. And if you don't want to be here, next guy up. There's a guy in Providence who will step up and do exactly that. Get bent. Get bent. Your job is to fucking fight to for the code, and that's it. There is no such thing as goons as a deterrent. That is, in my opinion, one of the biggest fallacies in the history of the NHL. Yeah. I don't believe that ever exists. I will admit that I used to think it existed. And there's a documentary called Ice Guardians that really kind of solidified that that came out years ago. I've watched it too. Great documentary. But yes. It also, the points that they make, now that I think back on it, kind of coincide with the, what we were talking about, the evolution of the game, where we see more injuries now from hits, but then they also make the point of equipment has come such a long way that hits are more deadly in that way. And they're saying it's, yeah. and, and yes, it coincides with the downfall of the enforcer, but again, as is, you know, uh, you could say in so many ways, uh, correlation does not equal causation. And... Mm-hmm. We can't, yeah, You there, there's no possible way you can say for sure that an enforcer being out there would deter stuff because think about some of the crazy agitators throughout the years. A Matthew Barnaby, a Ken, like Ken Linsman, all these guys who were considered rats who would, did fucking worse shit than we see now. Spear people, like, and mm-hmm. they rarely had to fight. I think Barnaby fought because he liked it. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a wild dude, but yeah, it's... Nah. It's like the idea of, what was it, two years ago now? The or even last year, the uh, Tom Wilson Rangers incident. Oh, well, that wouldn't happen now that the Rangers have Ryan Reeves. We're going to go out and get Ryan Reeves. That isn't the deterrence. That isn't how to properly manage things because it's not on the teams to properly manage. It's on the fucking officials to properly manage yep. this shit. It is in large part their fault for this incident with Jay Beagle happening. Because they didn't fucking step in when they should have. Because, again, we refuse to evolve past this. And I know on uh, another podcast that I still listen to from time to time, Agent Provocateur, uh, part of the uh, SDPN network, um, they had on Alan Walsh's podcast Ken Dryden, who has consistently over the years talked about just head contact. Shouldn't be a thing at all. You can agree or disagree with that, but at the end of the day... 
that is likely the next step in the evolution of the game of hockey is, again, trying to cut back more on these incidents. The problem is, it's on the officials to make the right goddamn calls at the time. So, for me, like I said, I I, I disagree with Tamo Solani on that, and... The way I see it, and you've already made the comparison I was going to make, hockey's on the wrong path. I see this as being closer to baseball than basketball. You know, you look at baseball, and still, in a lot of respects, it's, oh, don't flip the bat when you hit a home run. Mm-mm, we don't like that. It's restricting and trying to suppress the personalities and the stars of the game. Meanwhile, while baseball and hockey are going down that path and suffering as a result. Yes, I know the NHL still got this big new deal with ESPN. They get a lot of money from Sportsnet. They could be bigger. That is the idea. It's the, it's the old fucking adage. I'll make the wrestling comparison again. Uh, once upon a time, Vince McMahon, it's like, oh, it's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. It's like you sit there, it's like, look at the success I have versus the success that you could have, which, depending on the circumstances, can be a positive. Oh, shit. I, I'm, I'm, I was 400 pounds, now I'm 300. Yeah, you could be 200. Yeah, but it's a good thing that you're 300 instead of 400. But in this instance, the NHL is like, oh, we're here. You should be up there. You should be in that competition because you could be. You have one of the best products on earth and one of the best sports on earth that you continue to squander. I don't understand and never will the idea of fuck your personality, respect the code, always be respectful, how dare you smile after a goal. And then again, the NBA continues to thrive and gain in popularity behind the personalities and the skills of their stars. I don't, I don't know where the league goes from here until people like Tyson Nash are fucking gone. I don't know where we go until we get the idea out of our collective heads that enforcers stop this stuff from happening. If hockey was hockey and you called penalties when people in, you know, in... Uh, I was going to say infract. It's not even a word. When people say, for example, interfere, hook, slash Connor McDavid, how about you just call those a penalty and then let Connor McDavid do his thing because he's the best player in the world? Yeah. Instead, no, we're still trying to find this middle ground where piss babies like Jay Beagle still have a place in the league. And it's holding the entire league back. That's all I got, Sid. <laughs> yeah, I think we uh, wrapped that up pretty nicely. I agree. Speaking of piss babies, some members of the media in regards to Keith Yandel officially being scratched by the Philadelphia Flyers. He had his 989 uh, Ironman streak, 989 game Ironman streak, and the Flyers' justification essentially wanting to play younger players. Uh, Yandel not necessarily playing well. It's also his first season with the team. Of course, he nearly lost this streak when he was nearly scratched by the Florida Panthers last year. And a lot of questions in regards to this seems to be, oh, well, why didn't they scratch him sooner or deal him? You know, it seems to me it's because they didn't have uh, someone like uh, prospect uh, Ronnie Atterd, I believe it is. Atterd? I think it's Atterd. Atterd. I like Atterd. Oh, well, he, he might be a turd. You've got to ask Flyers fans by the end of it. Ronnie Atterd. It's one of those names. That's weird. He wasn't on the roster yet. He was in the NCAA. Uh, on top of that, oh, why would an NHL GM or an NHL coach have a good, uh, you know, uh, have a bad player on the ice. Why would they do that? There's no such thing as having a bad player on the ice. Especially not on the yeah, Flyers. No. <laughs> Especially not playing defense and making $5 million. 
coaches and GMs can do dumb things. They can. But then people bring up the argument of like, oh, well, uh, uh, mainly the argument that you see against like analytics. It's like, oh, well, if this player is bad, if, if Keith Yandel's so bad, why does he still get chances to play? Because some people are fucking stupid. Some GMs and coaches still think players are what they were. Or they overvalue veteran presence and locker room presence and leadership. Yeah, look at where that got the Flyers this year. Sure worked out instead of, oh, I don't know, getting someone who was better than Keith Yandel. But he's friends with Kevin Hayes, apparently, so that worked out. You know, you see someone like Jeremy Roenick on Twitter. I never thought I'd be this disappointed in the Flyers, one of my favorite teams ever. Scratching Keith Yandel is beyond disrespectful and sends the wrong message of loyalty to the players and the fans. Why do the Flyers need to be loyal to Keith Yandel? Why? He's He hasn't been a Flyer for a full season. What loyalty? Like, I get it. In the instance of Marc-Andre Fleury not even being told by the Vegas Golden Knights, that... Is that he was going to be traded. That sends the wrong message in terms of loyalty. Scratching Keith Yandel because you're thinking about the future. You know, fuck this Ronnie kid. We got a veteran that deserves these games. He needs to, he deserves to get to a thousand. Motherfuckers are acting like it's Mike Babcock scratching Mike Badano at like, what was it, 1,499 points? It's not the same thing. It's not. I, I don't. And then Keith Yandel said this. It's one of those things, you know, is going to happen towards the end of the career and the end of the year uh, when you're signing young guys and getting free agents out of college. They're going to give them a chance to play. So Keith Yandel doesn't seem too upset about this. He seems to understand it's a fucking business. Yet you have people like Jeremy Roenick whining about the lack of loyalty. Again. These two talking points kind of intertwine yeah, in that. I was gonna say that. <laughs> what what the fuck are we doing here? What what are we even doing here anymore? Yeah, it, I. You always go for the betterment of the team. Um, like so, I like, I, yeah. Part of me still wants like, oh yeah, it'd have been cool for him to get to a thousand games or whatever. But also, who the f- like does that matter? Like, I'm sure Keith Yanda would rather be. I, like a good part of his team and like winning games and, and all this other stuff. Like I, there's so many of these put too much stock in some of these weird, like Iron Man streaks and other whatnot. And I, I don't know, uh, like, like part of me is like, yeah, it's just 11 more games, but yet it's also that that's 11 games that someone that a younger guy could be playing a future of your organization could be playing and getting some invaluable experience. So yeah, it just, again, ties into trying to protect players egos or your their perceived egos you're essentially you're not you're not doing Yandel any favors by sort of essentially patronizing him in the way that you are mm-hmm. like you're not doing him any fucking favors I thought we had an issue with tanking in the NHL yeah but you're going to keep Keith Yandel a potentially inferior player in the lineup just because because of a streak like someone like Ronnie Adder I mean he was a third round pick in 2019 and was probably the best defenseman in the NCAA this year. Kid had 36 points in 39 games for Western Michigan. Pretty good. That is a kid that you get a chance 
Like, you give a chance to on the back half of a season because, hey, all right, are you going to be ready? Here's your taste of experience. Carry that into the offseason, and it's up to you as to whether or not you start in the NHL or AHL next year because you got that taste, and now you know what it takes. Yeah. Oh, well, but fuck you, Ronnie. We need, we, need to give, we need to give Keith Yandel some games. This backwards-ass thinking. I'm so, so over it, in case all of you couldn't tell. Oh, my God. So, Phil Kessel's now the active leader in games, and uh, I look forward to having this conversation again, if necessary, about the disrespect to Phil Kessel. Um, granted, at the same time, the amount of people that disrespected Phil Kessel over the years yeah. that will now be celebrating him once he uh, presumably breaks this record. Yep. Because, oh, he doesn't have the body of a pro athlete. He doesn't look like a pro athlete. And then all these people that were disrespecting him over the years for not being a professional, essentially. And there were those takes out there. Trust me, especially in his time with the Leafs. Um, yeah, for all those people that had those takes, they'll, they'll be celebrating the fact that he probably breaks a thousand games uh, without, oh, yeah. without missing any. So Apparently uh, his body is what peak performance looks like. You may not like it, but then you get to see a thousand games in a row, apparently. There you go. Now I've jinxed it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we both have. It's going to be our fault. Uh, a couple of other talking points here. Those are certainly the big talking points of the day that I'm uh, very glad that we got to. And Sin, as always, thank you for letting me rant. Uh -huh. It was a fun time. Uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Endo's not here to discuss this, but that's okay. Uh, Austin Matthews, of course, uh, just hit 50 goals, but he also became the eighth fastest player in NHL history to score 250 goals in his career. He did it in 397 games played. He is behind Yari Curry. Uh, three, uh, 389, so, uh, you know, a decent, decent amount. Uh, eight games eight games faster. Uh, Tamus Solani did it in 388. Ovechkin in 366. Then you had Hull, Mario Lemieux, Mike Bossy did it in 319 games, and Wayne Gretzky in 302. Um, and unfortunately, it goes to the worst kind of segue uh, that we possibly could have hoped for here. But I've talked about Mike Bossy on this show before. Uh, I think, you know, you look at the numbers, and I think he still has my vote for best pure goal scorer of all time. Yeah, it's hard to uh, Due to injuries, he did not have the... Uh, he, he wasn't able to sustain it like Alex Ovechkin has. Uh, but at age 65, he has reportedly uh, entered uh, palliative care with uh, advanced lung cancer. Yeah. So... Um, it, it's not looking good, unfortunately, um, and it, this sucks. Yeah. Like, obviously, it sucks for Islanders fans who have suffered some losses of the uh, numerous team legends as of late, uh, and it, it sucks for hockey because Mike Bossy is legitimately one of the greatest players of all time. And, uh, again, I still think he, he probably still has my vote for greatest Goal scorer of all time was a part of all four of those Stanley Cup teams with the Islanders, uh, and this was just a really, really sad story. But um, on the flip side, there was uh, an article put out there, I believe, and I'm going to get uh, exactly who it was. It was by the Players' Tribune of an article that Mike Bossy penned in June of 2017 uh, entitled, Letter to My Younger Self. Um, with this quote that I saw, uh, I think it's Peter Ewell on, on Twitter share, uh, which just happens to be some random guy, but it, it popped up in my timeline. Uh, my advice to you, kid, is to remember more and to cherish your time more because your time's going to be shorter than you think. I highly recommend everyone reads that article that, again, Mike Bossy penned five years ago. And uh, best wishes to him, his family, and his friends because this, this is very, very unfortunate. 
And like I said, there was no kind of way to transition into such horrible, awful news, but it was worth the shout. And again, if there are younger people watching the show, I mean, again, Sin and I, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to 30 since, since already on the wrong side of it. Yeah. <laughs> but even then it's like bossy was before our time. But again, like that's, that's somebody that you need to know. Don't just let it be a name, be more informed about the legends of the game. And that's why I love bringing up guys like Phil Esposito. Uh, do your research. Do your research. The Buffalo Sabres. Worth noting, Tage Thompson <laughs> joined Jeff Skinner and Jack Eichel as the only Sabres players since the start of the 2012-13 season to have at least 30 goals in a year. Uh, he has had an incredible, Tage. incredible season. And the Sabres in general, uh, you know, we made a big deal of the Jack Eichel return. The Sabres are 7-1-3 and since that Eichel return. Um, obviously, you just had the Rick Janaret uh, ceremony where uh, someone like Alex Tuck continues to kind of uh, really become you know, more embraced by that fan base. I mean, he's a New York guy. I think I think he's from Buffalo, but was like born in Syracuse or something like that. Um, regardless, it just uh, it's it's working out very very well uh, for the Sabers. Yeah. You know, Tage Thompson, you know, you talk about like, oh, God, what a mistake that was to trade him for Ryan O'Reilly. He just needed a little bit of time. He's looked great. Uh, Sin's favorite, Dylan Cousins, you know, still still being there and contributing on the second line. Of course, you get Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs in that Eichel deal. You know, as much as we talk about the Sabres kind of, kind of botching it, at the same time, I understand Sabres fans being upset about Eichel's comments about the fans. Um, that said... At the same time, I mean, you know, we, we talked about all that, but the bottom line is, I think it's going to work out very nicely for the Sabres because, let's be honest, that Jack Eichel tenure started with them uh, and their GM being visibly upset that they didn't get Connor McDavid, and then they named this kid Captain, which is not always the best decision to name an 18, 19-year-old kid Captain. Yeah. It's just, it, it's. I still think it's a good thing that uh, those two parties went their separate ways. <laughs> Yeah, but good on Tage Thompson, man. I, I mean, he was—he kind of went from like pretty good expectations to like, oh shit, is he even going to be an NHLer? To now, he's a thirty-goal scorer. So you know, good for him. Twenty-sixth overall pick yeah. in twenty sixteen, and yeah, prior to this, really, really kind of struggled with fifty-four points in sixty-six games with thirty-one goals on the year. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, obviously it's been a bit of a rough week uh, in the aftermath of the passing of Eugene Melnick, but on the ice, it's been an interesting time. Another team like Buffalo, not near the playoffs, but the future's looking bright. Uh, goaltender Mad Shogard won his NHL debut. He is, of course, uh, I believe tied with like, like Ben Bishop as the tallest goalie <laughs> in NHL history. Just an absolute giant. Uh, and, uh, well, Sin, here we go. We've mentioned him a few nope. times this season. Josh Norris. Skip. Be <laughs> 15 seconds ahead. 15 <laughs> seconds ahead. <laughs> I'm trying to double tap on my fucking mobile device right now. <laughs> Josh Norris became the first senator to score 30 goals in a season over the past decade. First to do it since Jason Spezza and Milan Mahalik in the 2011-12 season. Mahalik, of course, also a Sharks legend, not just a Sens legend. Uh, as well, Matthew Joseph, who was uh, traded for Nick Paul, who's also doing well in Tampa. But Matthew Joseph uh, buried an empty net goal to get his first career hat trick as well as a member of the Sens. So it's very interesting. I think we've had more recent examples of trades where it's working out 
for both teams. But for the Sabres and Sens in particular, again, pretty rough year, but looking like a potentially bright future should management, you know, do what they have to do to put the winning pieces around what should be a potentially winning core already. Yeah. No, yeah, it's... <laughs> it's working out for the Sens. They just don't have the record to show for it yet. <laughs> mm. So, uh... Hopefully they can keep trending in the direction that they are trending in because you got to think they got the pieces there. It's just how do you? I mean, their top six right now is Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson, which is great. 22, 22, and 23 years old. Second line is Formanton, who's 22, Stutzla is 20, and Connor Brown's 28. Connor Brown, by the way, is still very, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, and then obviously, like, Eric Brandstrom's on defense, uh, Jake Sanderson uh, that they've signed who hasn't been able to play yet. Now you have Shogard and goal behind Anton Forsberg, yeah, who just signed Sanders. a new contract. Jeez. Like, they they have Still got pieces. Hot Bacho, too. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate he's injured yeah. um, at the moment. But, like, they have a first, two seconds, two thirds this year. They have all their firsts moving forward. And in terms of, like, unsigned uh, dudes, there's another pro like Tyler Clevin from the U.S. national team, uh, still yet to be signed. Like, they're not in that bad of a spot in Ottawa if they can handle things the right way over the next few years. And uh, I guess speaking of handling things the right way, the Florida Panthers... Uh, Jonathan Huberto, 97th point on the season, is now the most by a Panther in franchise history. And obviously they still have like 12 games to go, which is ridiculous. Uh, the Panthers became the first team as well to clinch a playoff spot. Uh, Colorado, not too far behind. They tied their franchise record for most home wins in a season with 28. Uh, you know, it's not often we get the two best teams in the Stanley Cup final, but holy hell, if we get a rematch Ooh. in 1996, I wouldn't be against it. No, absolutely not. Great. But sorry, Colorado. It, it, it's got to be Florida if that happens. Like So both of these teams, 69 games played. The Panthers nice. on 102 points. The Avs are on 104. Goal differentials. Florida, league best, plus 83. Colorado at a plus 73. And then shout out to Calgary, plus 67 for the third Woo! best goal differential in the league. Who'd have thought? <laughs> you bring in Daryl Sutter. <laughs> And on the flip side, shout out to Montreal. Still a minus 84. Um, Oof. Goddamn. <laughs> That's pretty Cole brutal. Caulfield keeps scoring. Uh, Martin St. Louis, the Caulfield whisper. It's beautiful. Last two things to mention. Unfortunately, there's uh, another physical incident that we got to bring up. Uh, Islanders and Devils. Oliver Wallstrom with a hit on Jack Hughes. Now, I watched this hit. To me, and obviously, if this is an outside perspective, if you're a Devils fan, you'd probably think it was dirty. If you're an Islanders fan, you'd probably think it was clean, or at the very least, Jack Hughes' fault. Wallstrom looks to finish a check. Hughes, this is not debatable, uh, tried to avoid the contact. It ends up being knee on knee. I don't think it was predatory. I don't think it was dirty. But as I've said... For certain incidents, if it's not predatory or dirty, at the end of the day, you are still responsible for the end result because you are the one that initiated contact. So I'm not sure how to feel about this particular hit. What I uh, do feel somewhat passionately about 
is the fact that P.K. Subban then went after Oliver Wallstrom and beat the fucking brakes off of this kid. Um, just, I mean, God, you thought the Troy Terry incident was bad. Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I don't say this disparagingly, because again, I've talked about P.K. Subban, the person, although you can still look at, uh, now we don't got to get into the ECHL incident and the fact that, um, P.K. never said anything beyond what he initially said, which is interesting based off of what we found out, but on the ice... This might be all P.K. Subban's good for at this point, is beating the brakes off of somebody. He's pretty fucking good at it. He's also good at uh, slap-shotting pucks into a jock strap. if you watch Jackass forever. <laughs> uh, like uh, we, Unfortunately, on the ice, all we've been able to talk about with P.K. this year is just slew foot after slew yeah. foot. And now here's another incident where it's like, oh, did you see that sweet P.K. hit? Did you see that sweet P.K. goal? No, it's either the slew foot or he beat the brakes off of Wallstrom. Um... He got two minutes for instigating, five for fighting, a 10-minute misconduct for instigating, and a 10-minute misconduct for an aggressor penalty. Interesting. Very interesting that officials can hand that stuff out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Crazy. So, I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I don't blame PK, in a sense, for standing up for the young star of the, the New Jersey Devils. It's what you quote-unquote have to do. But at the same time, like, are we are we not over this idea of, well, borderline hit, fuck you, get punched. We're not over that yet, though, as we've talked about. So, uh, in this game as well, I believe Corey Schneider picked up his first win since the 1920 season. So, uh... That's not 1920, although it probably <laughs> feels like it for him. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Corey Schneider. Yeah, I didn't realize and he was back in the league. Me either, until they were like, heading into the third period, Corey Schneider might win. And I'm like, fucking what year is this? <laughs> and <laughs> is Ro- Roberto Luongo like, is cheering fuck? on from the bench. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they're arguing over playing time again, who knows. <laughs> oh my god, it was very, very, very bizarre. Final thing worth mentioning here. We kind of just talked about how good the Calgary Flames are. Uh, Sean Monahan, unfortunately, has been placed on LTIR. He will undergo season-ending hip surgery. Note, this is his other hip, not the one that he had previously injured. Just so, so many injuries for this guy who turns 28 in October. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's a big shame for him. It, it sucks for Calgary. It leaves a hole in the lineup. At the same time, uh, I do respect... Uh, what they were able to do in Calgary, Brad Living, uh did kind of insulate the team a little bit because right now you look at third and fourth line center and it's two deadline pickups in Cal Yarncrook and Ryan Carpenter. So, yeah. wait, Ryan Carpenter? Om- yeah, Sharks legend. <laughs> it's almost as if uh, maybe they kind of knew. Yeah, you know, maybe they kind of knew. God, that's right. Ryan Carpenter was a shark. Sorry, that totally caught me that's off guard. Fine. Yeah, I think he um, played like maybe a couple games. He was mostly with the AHL team. 28. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 28. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it really sucks for Sean Monahan. Again, we kind of talked about that before. Like, you look at the scoring from that draft class, he's still third. Um, you know, he was, he was over the likes of uh, numerous uh, different players. I'm trying to remember specifically who it was from that 2013 class in terms of points. It was McKinnon and Barkoff that he beat to 100 goals. Mm. Um, he was off to a really hot start and just injuries catching up and it sucks. Like you don't want to 
debate whether or not someone's cooked yeah. at 28. No. You know? But two hip surgeries, man. You know, it's funny, though. At the same time, somebody brought this up. I kind of forgot about it that Yessi Pugliarvi had double hip surgery. He did? Yeah. Ooh. That was one of the big talking points yeah. about Pugliarvi. Dude, that- Tomas Hurdle had two knee surgeries on separate knees, and he's still kicking it. And, I mean, Jumbo has had bunch of knee shit popping up like it's not it's definitely it's concerning and it's got to be but yeah it's definitely not the end of the world but it is it it's obviously concerning i didn't realize that about puliarvi yeah there was at one point he had uh he had double hip surgery and uh has still kind of bounced back to and that was in 2019 um sportsnet march 4 2019 puliarvi underwent successful surgery on both hips and uh, has bounced back well. So maybe it's not, again, all doom and gloom for Sean Monaghan. Hopefully not. Uh, still very intrigued to see what Calgary is able to do. And pool party for the record, 34 points in 56 games this year. Not too bad. Great defensive player as well. <sighs> so sitting with that, we needed that little bit of a cool down. Yeah. We needed that little bit. At least I needed that little bit of a cool down after the first two conversations. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, uh, just... Too, I don't know why that's a thing to say. Yeah, no, and then continue. Oh, you the should you should come to California. It's about twenty. I'm like, yeah, nah, for sure. That's know, that's, yep, that's exactly. a common it's ass a thing, thing here too. Oh, is it okay all the okay. time? Yeah. yeah, I think that's a thing everywhere. It might be, yeah, but it's just like, nah, yeah, yeah, no. Like, what is that? Why? Do, <laughs> it's so it's become so ingrained in our in our generation. <laughs> it's craziness, uh, but I think with that we will look at winding things down for today. Again, we will be back this Thursday. Hopefully, Endo Mills will be awake uh, and join <laughs> us for that particular show. Uh, Sin, again, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. It was a fun one. This was a good one. Yeah. What? <laughs> Tugie rants about Tyson Nash for yeah, a while. I mean, I got my licks time. in too, but yeah, this is called mm. Tugie's take. Yeah. Well, I am very happy. Uh, to have had you here for this particular show. Um, not just because our opinions align on stuff like this, but again, it's one of those things where, you know, we don't, we don't just look for it to be an echo chamber. I know we'll have differing opinions on occasion, but when it comes to something like this, yeah, no, <laughs> that's clearly the, that's clearly the title of the episode now. <laughs> yeah, no. Future. We found it. We found it. Or uh... What do you have going on, sir? In the world of online content creation, aside from broken NHL franchises. Yeah. Well, remember when I just launched my uh, Canucks series, everybody? It might have to be on hold right now because I had a fat crash. It was a tremendous draft. I saw my first ridiculously stupid high overall franchise player appear. It was an 88 overall franchise. I went first overall. It was impressive as hell. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? I I had never seen that in... Absolutely insane. I'm pretty sure it's 18 too, so it wasn't like a weird thing where. And again, it was just a high, the first, high draft quality. I think yeah, or on medium. No, I think it was yeah. on high. But then I'm also inserting yeah. members, and the game will bounce itself out after a while. But I like right. to do that. It's to try to help the AI team stop mismanaging their rosters horribly, but they do anyway. I don't because <laughs> I'm like I'm like I know I'm not gonna keep taking all these good players but I know I could always find them because I know how to scout and shit anyway <laughs> yeah find me on YouTube sin for the win productions on Twitter if you if you really want sin FTW prod and of course on Instagram now at Paul Cinders where my soundcloud is linked there will be new music going up there uh pretty damn soon so there we go 
You can also catch us in live on twitch.tv forward slash Tukey24, watching me crank some dingers. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> Hell yeah. Dingers, dingers. One of these days. <laughs> one of these days you'll get back to streaming, damn it. No. And I'll be there for I, it. No? It's like not, I don't know. I, I can't do it for a sustained amount of time. Like, it's just not my cup of tea. Fair enough. Everybody with that, again, thank you very much for watching and or listening. If you are watching, hey, subscribe to the channel. Drop the video a like. Help us get out there a little bit more than we already are. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Thursday. Tyson Nash can suck it.